Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Balicki. It's Friday, May 14th, 2021. Over the last couple weeks, it's been such a joy for me to spend more time than normal uh, with my children, especially as we welcomed our fourth child into the world last week, baby Watson. I've been spending a lot of time, especially with our three older children, Hannah, Mac, and JJ, uh, just to allow mom and the baby to kind of get acclimated to life post-birth. I've been running around with uh, those older three kids, and it has been a lot of fun, and it's a joy to see the ch- the thinking of your children develop, right? And even just with understandings of what's going on with a new baby coming into the world, seeing the difference in how my youngest, JJ, understands that to how my oldest understands that and how my oldest has kind of gotten to a next level of thinking about some of these things. And where, you know, some of my younger children, man, the only concern on their mind sometimes is, um, is it is it snack time yet? And that's about the the advancement of how far they are thinking to then see them develop beyond that and to start to see a bigger picture of how our family works or each day works or the world works. It is a joyful thing. And today we want to see how God wants us as Christians to develop in our thinking that lots of times basically we're just like children, hey, when's the next snack time coming? When we need to start understanding a, a bigger picture, when our thinking needs to start going to the next level of really understanding who God is, what he's doing, and how that should affect the view of our lives. And especially in a few of our passages, I think we're going to see how this next level thinking should start to impact us as we grow in spiritual maturity and understanding and insight. And first, we're going to see it in Mark chapter 8, verses 11 through 21. Mark 8, 11 through 21. And so the context we have to remember from yesterday, because it's going to be important, is the feeding of the 4,000. So Jesus, you know, we remember he miraculously feeds the 5,000. And then later in his ministry, he miraculously feeds the 4,000. And that is what has just happened. And imagine after that, uh, which, you know, you're basically repeating a miracle that you've already done. Verse 11, the Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. Good grief. He just fed the 4,000, you know, shortly after he fed the 5,000. And now you want him to perform a sign? Like what, what other signs do you want? And we know ultimately Jesus is going to rise from the dead. Uh, And Jesus does not give them what they want. No, he's not going to do miracles on command to just prove himself to these unbelieving people. But then what I want us to see is this next interaction between Jesus and his disciples. Now, they had forgotten to bring bread and they only had one loaf with them in the boat. And Jesus says to them, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now, uh, Matthew 16 is helpful here because it fills in some of the color and the context for this. We know, especially from that passage, Jesus here is trying to make a spiritual point. He is saying, watch out for the teaching of the Pharisees. 
you know, what the Pharisees are saying and thinking, what the what Herod, King Herod is saying and thinking, watch out for that. You start to put some of that in your thinking and it is going to corrupt your mind. It's going to be the opposite of next level thinking. But what do the disciples do with this? And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. They're like, oh, Jesus is getting on us because we only have one loaf in the boat. And Jesus says, why are you talking about that? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? Basically, hey, don't you remember the 5,000? How many baskets of leftovers were there after that? Uh, 12. Uh, do you remember the 4,000? How many baskets um, did you pick up after that? Uh, seven. Don't you understand? And even in Matthew, Jesus says here, Oh, you of little faith. He's kind of like, why are you worried about bread um, when there's a bigger picture I'm trying to get across here? Basically, the disciples are like, "Um, when's snack time going to be? And oh, no, we only have one loaf of bread. That's not good for snack time. There's not enough goldfish, right? That's kind of what my kids would think when Jesus is, no, guys, I can provide your physical needs. Um, I'm trying to communicate to you something spiritual, something that you need to watch out for. And so that's where we need to examine our own thinking, because how many times in our own lives can we get caught up in our own physical needs and even just our own personal needs or desires that we miss a bigger spiritual picture in what's going on? I think that's something all of us need to examine and even to look at how are you thinking about today? Are you worried about how God is going to provide for you today or are you focused more on the bigger picture? of what's going to happen spiritually today. You think about those of you that are a part of a family and you're maybe you're thinking about marriage or, or, or children. Are you going to be caught up today in, well, um, you know, how are we going to make whatever we need to do as a family work today? Or are you going to be focused more on, well, what does God want to teach us today? And how can we invest in the spiritual health of this family today? That maybe you're single, right? Are you going to get caught up if you have a desire to get married? Well, how, how's that going to happen? How, well, I, you know, how am I going to meet someone? Or I mean, I like this person, but how, well, how do I talk to them? Or, or are you going to get caught up in, am I pursuing Christ? And as I was thinking about what Jesus is trying to teach his disciples here in Mark 8, I couldn't help but think of Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus says very clearly in the Sermon on the Mount, do not be anxious about your life. And in particular, he's talking about, you know, the things that you think you need, food, clothing, don't worry about these things because God can provide all of them for you. And he even says, it's the Gentiles that seek all these things. You instead seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So let's get to some next level thinking in our own lives, even today. Let's not just get caught up in our physical needs or what's going on personally in our lives. Let us seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And as we think about this next level thinking, we, I think we see some examples, uh, both good and bad of that, as we go now into 1 Samuel 13 and 14. 1 Samuel 13 and 14. And this is where the, the wheels kind of start coming off the wagon for King Saul. And this is where we see Samuel even say, God is going to give the kingdom to another. Um, and that we, we see this happen, but against 
this example, I think a bad example that we're going to see from Saul in multiple ways in these passages, we're going to see a positive example from his son, Jonathan. And obviously what's going on here is war with the Philistines and the Philistines are coming out with a great army and it's very intimidating. But Saul here, he does not do what he was supposed to do. And he goes forward with the sacrifice when he was not supposed to do that. And it seems that part of the reason is he wasn't patient. He wasn't waiting and trusting God's commandments. He took matters into his own hands. He was not thinking on the next level of God is going to provide. I need to trust him and and do what God has said. He was thinking on a very human level. And we see this is the beginning of the end for Saul because this is where God um, through Samuel communicates to Saul, but now your kingdom shall not continue. And that's first Samuel 13, 14. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you because Saul was consumed with worry and anxiety about what was going on right here, right now. But we see a contrast then with Solomon in verse in chapter 14, as he goes and takes out this Philistine garrison. And this is actually a very interesting uh, kind of geographical thing in Israel where there is kind of this intense valley or ravine, you, you know, with very steep edges on both sides that you can still go to Israel and, and see this part. And it seems that Jonathan and his armor bearer, I like to call him his caddy, um, it, you know, they climb down and apparently up this and they go into battle. And you can see uh, Jonathan, as he does this, he expresses a lot of confidence in God. He is thinking on the next level. He is thinking not just about what he can do or at, at a human level, he's thinking about what God can do. And he says to his caddy in verse six, come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. And God uses this faith, this next level thinking from Jonathan to lead to victory and to rally the Israelites um, to a victory. But then we see another, you know, very human level thinking from Saul where he gives this rash vow saying, hey, no one's going to eat today until I get my vengeance. You know, so even he's making it personal and it's a very foolish command. His soldiers should eat uh, so that they have strength to do the work. And we see that even in Jonathan who eats some when he did not know the command. And even it makes them so hungry that when they get food, right, they break God's commandment and they eat it with the blood. Uh, and, and that's breaking the command of God. And then Saul even has the audacity that when he goes to seek God's counsel and gets no answer, uh, Saul assumes, well, it's because somebody broke my foolish vow instead of saying, well, maybe it's because I broke the commandment of God by offering the sacrifice or that the people are breaking the clear command of God in eating uh, the, the animals with the blood in them. Um, he, he doesn't think about all of those things. Uh, so I think we see some very powerful contrasts in that in these two chapters of this next level thinking in Jonathan and this faith and confidence in God versus a fear in Saul and just thinking about what he wants or what he thinks is possible. And we want to trust God, seek him first and have a confidence in him. A final passage where we're going to see this next level thinking is 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 
1 Corinthians chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 11, and it talks about how um, it basically urges them, hey, you shouldn't be... having lawsuits against one another and you within the church shouldn't be going into court together to try to hash out some disagreement. And he really starts to rebuke them for how that does not honor the cause of Christ. And ultimately he urges them to get to some next level thinking uh, in verse um, seven. He says to have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not suffer wrong? Why not why not rather be defrauded? Wow. He's saying, guys, it'd be better for you just to say, you know what? I'm not going to push this. I'm just going to accept wrong here rather than drag this into the courts and really dishonor the name of Christ by Christians from the same church taking this matter into the courts. I I would rather just give that up. And to do that, that's going to have to display some next level thinking to really accept, hey, because even though I'm being wronged by this person, I'm going to accept that and kind of just take that hit, take that loss to really trust that, you know what? God can make that up for me. God can take care of me. And what I'm not going to do is dishonor God by dragging this into the courtroom before unbelievers. And that's where he gives some instruction saying, hey, a lot of these matters need to be dealt with in the church. We even see some eschatology here saying, hey, the, the, the saints eventually, they, we will judge the earth. We will judge angels. Can't we judge and figure out some of these trivial matters? And, and we should think next level and say, even if it came down to it, I would accept loss rather than push this to a point where it's going to cause division or really dishonor the church and dishonor our Lord Jesus Christ by dragging this in front of the world. And, and he then makes a very powerful point here at the end of the passage today where we see that hey the the unrighteous they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God we as believers we will and God has done an amazing thing to transform many of our hearts and it lists many of the former sins that characterized many of their lives and then he gets to but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That should enable us to start thinking on the next level and to really deal with some of these temporal divisions or concerns that might come up. Our final passage today is Psalm 60, where we just look at verses 1 through 5. And in Psalm 60, what we're going to see is that there is trouble, but there's confidence at the same time. And we need to realize in the Christian life, there's going to be lots of times where we feel both of those, where it's not, oh, everything's fine. Everything's rosy. I love God. He's my stronghold and everything's great. And when times are tough, we don't just want to be, well, life is terrible. Where is God? But sometimes it's, man, life is terrible. I don't know how I feel where God is, but I'm still trusting in him. Where in verse one, he says, oh God, you have rejected us. You have broken down our defenses But still, even though he feels that way in verse four, he says, but God, still, you have set up a banner for those who fear you, that they may flee to it from the bow. So may we run to God, this banner, may we be those who fear the Lord and pursue him. And let's not just get caught up in the personal or the physical, but we want to be on that next level in our thinking, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and trusting that God can take care of everything else. 
Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.